How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, as David said, my name is Jordan Arsenault, and my wife Nikki and I, we are children's ministry coordinators here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church. And I'm very excited to be speaking to you guys today. And I also want to welcome anyone who's listening through our podcast on our website. You're more than welcome to visit us here on Sunday morning. So this is not what I usually look like on Sunday morning. This isn't what I look like during the week. I'm a television cameraman for WGN, and I usually, my uniform is t-shirt and jeans. And uh, usually when I'm working in the back rooms, that's how you'll see me. So it's rare, it's a rare thing to see me in a press shirt and press trousers. Um, But I wanted to look good today. Um, Usually, if you see me around this church, you've probably seen me in the back classrooms, um, either teaching the kids or doing check-in, probably cleaning up after a toddler here and there. Um, uh, My wife and I, we have two kids of our own. We have uh, two boys, ages eight and four. One of them sitting in the front row. This is Cam. He's eight. Um, uh, And then we have Ian, who's age four. And we started pretty young. We started just a few years after we got married because we thought, why not? Right? Um, My wife is also a junior high school teacher. She just started school this week after a very restful summer. And it's safe to say that kids are her life. She gets about eight hours a day away from kids, and that's while she's sleeping. And usually part of that eight hours is spent with my youngest son, Ian, crawling into bed with us and putting his foot in the back of her neck because he likes to wake up when the sun starts to come up. Um, But one thing I'll say is Nikki has taught me so much about what God thinks about children. When we read the Gospels, we see Jesus had a special preference for children. And he said we had a lot to learn from them. And not only does Jesus love our kids, but he also reminds us in the scripture of our relationship to God, right? That of a parent to his children. There are numerous analogies uh, to the idea that God is our father, right? That we have a spiritual inheritance, right? That we are adopted into his family, And that we should imitate Christ, right? The same way that our kids imitate us. So the best example of how to be a great mom or dad comes from the model that the Father gives us in Scripture, that of love and full of grace and full of mercy. It is the ultimate relationship. And speaking of relationships, today we are continuing our sermon series we're calling Relationships 101. Relationships 101. And this is a series we try to do every summer because we believe God cares about how we interact with each other personally. Not so you can fix other people, but so that you can work on yourself. So this relationship series is all about how you interact with other people. And so far, we've talked about a husband's relationship to his wife and a wife's relationship to her husband. We've talked about the truth, about friendship, and last week... Gino spoke about the need for healthy boundaries in our relationships. So today we're continuing this series, and we're going to be talking about the rewarding and yet challenging relationship that we have with children. And I can't wait to speak to you about it today. Um, uh, But also, if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, you'll want to lean in. 
because what I have to say is very important. But you may be thinking, Jordan, I don't have kids. I don't want kids. Okay? Some of you may even say, I don't like kids. Okay? But let me say this. Even if you're not a parent, I bet you can think of at least one kid in your life, whether it be a niece or a neighbor or a nephew or one of the awesome kids that we have running around this church today, God has something for you. Okay? You are not here by accident. But today, I'm going to be talking about the very important topic of parenting. And as with other sermons in this series, we did some market research in preparation. The Bible has a lot to say about parenting, and to get this wrong is to get a lot wrong. But we also wanted to see, from a kid's point of view, what they expected from a great mom or dad. And as always, it was eye-opening. We simply posed this question to the elementary school classroom that we have in kids' church. What do you wish parents knew? Okay? What do you wish parents knew? Which is also the title of today's sermon. We had one of the teachers administer this question to, like I said, our elementary school classroom, ages 5 to 11. And they wrote down, in their own way, the answers to that question. And reviewing these answers, there were three common themes that arose, which I will try to break down from a biblical point of view today. We'll start with Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which is some of the most famous advice in the New Testament about children and parents. And when you read the book of Ephesians, you get this great overview of the witness of the cross and reconciliation of the Jews and the Gentiles, the work of the Holy Spirit, and our personal walk with Christ. And this, my mom mentioned this to me, this is like the oil that prepares you for chapters 5 and 6, right? Because Paul gets really practical about the people closest to us and our relationships to them. So... There are Bibles on the edges of each row, and there also is going to be text up on the screen for you to follow along with. And we're going to be starting in Ephesians 6, verse 1. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to preach. I feel like I'm already losing my place in some places, but I thank you that your, your spirit is here to help. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just be able to glean a lot of wisdom from your word today, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would just fill us with your power and your strength, Father, to be better parents, Lord. And let your will be done through this sermon. And let us learn a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children. Paul addresses children. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, now he's talking to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Amen? So I really love this passage, and I actually ended up memorizing it in the English Standard Version of the Bible because we bought this album of sing-song memory verses for my sons, and uh, it's really, really been good for me, actually, to help memorize these verses, so I'd encourage anybody to do that. Um, uh, but earlier, like I said, in chapter 5, Paul begins addressing husbands and wives 
about mutual submission, right? And Gina talked about this in the first and second week of our sermon series. But today our text starts with encouraging children to obey their parents because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. Now, because Paul addresses children directly in this passage, I would like to start today by doing the same before we get into what kids wish parents knew. So this is for all the kids or teenagers that we have in the audience, and our children's elementary school classroom is in the audience right now. So there's a few of you here. Guys, this idea that children should obey their parents comes up frequently in the scriptures, okay? Paul is directly quoting Old Testament scriptures in this passage about honoring your father and mother. And this is echoed also in his letter to the church in Colossus. You guys remember when we, we learned about the epistles, right? Well, this is to the letter to the church in Colossus. It says, children, always, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Ephesians tells us that you, children and teenagers, belong to the Lord. So obeying your parents helps you also be obedient to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much. This was something I was often reminded of while growing up with my mom, who is sitting right over there. She would quote the scripture with emphasis, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Obviously, this makes sense on a spiritual level because God said so. But in the practical sense, it's also very beneficial, guys. God, uh, trusting your parents' judgment and complying with their demands, no matter how unreasonable they sound right now, will help you store up goodwill with them and ensure their care and provision for you while you live at home. God set up this hierarchy in the home for good reason, and following it will help your life go well and will help you live a long life. Amen? What else does Paul say in this passage? Well, in verse 4, he's talking to fathers. And we can assume that this applies to mothers, too. Verse 3, I'm sorry. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather... Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. How many of you kids and teenagers like that word discipline? Sometimes it has a negative connotation to it. Because it's often used when we're talking about punishments and correction. So I'm sorry if discipline hits you like in the wrong spot today. But you should really think about it as training. Okay? Think about it as training. Those of you who are older and in sports, you know that enduring hard training, right, is going to make you stronger, it's going to make you quicker and smarter about whatever game you're playing. And the same is true about the game of life. So when you're going through a temporary removal of privileges or a grounding or some other type of corrective action from your parents, just think of it as running a lap, okay? Doing a few push-ups, writing lines on the board. It hurts in the midst of it, but your parents are training you for adulthood, where the consequences of stepping out of line at work or breaking the law are much more severe. So guys, God wants you to honor your father and mother because it honors him. And Paul commands parents to honor God by bringing you up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, you do your job, we'll do ours. Amen? 
So also, for the adults in this room, this honor your father and mother stuff, it doesn't stop when you turn 18. Okay? One of our pastors, David Jacob, who introduced me, pointed out to me this week that this can and should continue even after we leave their homes. So parents, remember your own parents and continue to honor and respect them. The scriptures say it will go well with you. Amen? Amen. So what do kids wish parents knew? What do kids wish parents knew? Well, when it comes to the kids, at least kids here at the SSV, three different themes seem to emerge, which I've boiled down to a phrase that even I can remember, and I hope you can too. And when I look at these themes, I see them in order of importance from least to most. So I'm going to start with what I think is the least important thing and end with the most important thing. And what I see from reading these kids' responses is that kids seem to wish that their parents knew that they needed space, face, and grace. Space, face, and grace. See? Super easy to remember, even for a guy like me. So basically, we'll start with space, okay? We'll start with space. And I'm sure you're probably dying to know what I mean by space. But if you're a teenager and you're a parent of a teenager, you probably know exactly what I mean by space because you're probably either begging for it or you're being begged for it. Mom, Dad, give me some space. But for the first theme I see in these answers from our kids is this need to feel more independent, a need that I'm just calling space. Because space is basically the wiggle room they need to be themselves, okay? To be themselves. I'm going to read you some of these answers so that you can see how I've come to this conclusion. So these are what kids wish parents knew. I wish my dad wasn't so overprotective. When I'm sick, this is funny, when I'm sick, I do not want to be forced to go to school. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to be forced to go to school when you're sick. I wish my mom would treat me more like a teenager or a grown-up. To change my bedtime to a later time. Now, kids, I got to be honest with you. These are really unreasonable requests. Maybe the sick one, but... I never want to tell your parents that giving in to your every demand is sound biblical advice, Okay. It isn't. You need to look further than this bit of wisdom from Proverbs 29.15. Proverbs 29.15. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Another version of this verse says, a child left to himself. Okay, a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. So as parents, we definitely don't want to give in to our kids' unreasonable requests, But what I want to try and do today is distill these answers a little bit and get to the core of what these kids want. What are they really saying when they say they want to be treated older, when they want a later bedtime, when they don't want to go to school when they're sick, or when they wish their parents weren't so overprotective? Well, when it comes to space, I think we all can relate to that feeling that we had as kids of having little control over our daily lives. Our parents decided what we ate and when where we lived, what we wore, who we played with, which they were certainly supposed to do, and it's certainly within their rights to do that. I mean, it is within our roles as parents to set those boundaries. But knowing that our kids seem to think that this notion of independence, this notion of agency, this notion of freedom are important, 
what are some things that we can do to encourage them in the midst of being under their parents' watchful eyes? I believe there are three ways to give our kids at least that feeling of space, if not the reality of it. And today I'm going to talk about choice, responsibilities, and a voice. Okay? Choice, responsibilities, and a voice. And first we'll start with choices. I think we can give them the space to make choices when appropriate. And these choices are going to be very different depending on how old your children are or how mature. This could be as simple as allowing them to pick out their outfits in the morning before they go to church or choosing one of many green vegetables at the dinner table. They may not be old enough to decide when they go to sleep at night, but choosing which pajamas they're going to wear may be the ticket to individualism they so desperately desire. Or maybe some of our teenagers are old enough to decide when they go to bed, as long as they're performing well at school and aren't getting into trouble. Or maybe instead of buying clothes for them, we can give them the money or gift cards so they have the space to choose their own. Something to think about. The second thing I see a way to give our kids space is responsibilities and tasks. Okay? Responsibilities and tasks. And this means trusting them enough to get things done that you yourself could probably get done quicker and better. Kids appreciate the opportunity and the space to contribute to the needs of the household. This creates a feeling in them that they're a useful and important part of the family unit. My youngest son, Ian, is four years old, and there's not much that he can do well. But recently, we've given him the responsibility of changing out the toilet paper rolls in our bathrooms. <laughs> it takes him a long time to do it. But the look on his face of accomplishment when he finally does means that he's happy that we trust him enough to do it. My son Cam, who's sitting in the front row here, is eight, and his responsibility is to take care of his tortoise tank. <laughs> he has to feed him and take care of him. My nephew Jalen, I talked to him this week, is 14, and he relayed to me that he wished his parents appreciated all the chores he does around the house. He likes having the responsibilities and feels important in the household, but he just wishes he got more praise for it. So I think it's important to assign tasks and responsibilities to our kids, but it's also important to encourage them, right, and to give them praise when they accomplish those tasks. And finally, sorry to point you guys out, <laughs> finally, a voice. I think another, the third way we can give our kids space is a voice. It gives them that feeling of space, letting them ask questions, right? Soliciting their advice and allowing them to speak their mind without judgment will let them feel heard and affirm their place as a vital part of the home. Joe is Gino and Shannon's oldest son. Joe, you want to come up here? You don't have to. You can come up here. <laughs> Joe spent the night at our house two months ago, or two or, two or so months ago. And while he was there, one of our new neighbors showed up who just moved into our condo building, and she wanted to introduce herself, and she mentioned the fact that her husband had just died of cancer. And she was just getting settled into her new place, and after she left our jo door, Joe said to Nikki, we should pray for her right now, okay? Everyone was in their pajamas, and breakfast still needed to be made. But Nikki knew that meeting his needs and our neighbor's needs were more important in that moment. Plus, it was an opportunity for the kingdom of God to break through, right? 
So they walked upstairs, they knocked on her door, and Joe, my eight-year-old Cam, my four-year-old Ian, and Nikki held hands and they prayed for our neighbor who was very blessed by it. And this all happened because Joe had the space to speak up and he felt the responsibility to meet a need. You can sit down, Joe. Related, in our condo, we get a lot of insects for some reason. And often it's our first instinct to grab a Kleenex and squash it and flush it down the toilet. Now Cam, my eight-year-old, and my four-year-old Ian, my future entomologists, they do not like this approach at all. And what I've learned from interacting with them over the years is that their love of God's creatures is so great that they think squishing that house centipede is unusually cruel in their eyes. So now when I see a bug and they pipe in and petition us to take it outside, I just find myself relenting more and more. Because this is a small way for them to extend mercy to one of God's creatures and knowing how little control they have over what happens in their lives, how little voice they have, it's something I'm more than happy to do for their sake to give them that sense of space. So in order to fulfill a child's desire for space, like I said, they need good choices, responsibilities, and a voice to be heard. And now we've come to face, which conveniently rhymes with space. (laughs) The second thing we see in these answers to our poll questions was a desire for a focused attention. I'm simply calling this face. They desperately need to see our faces, okay? And some of these answers are really telling us that we're living in a new age of distraction, far exceeded by our parents in front of the TV, okay? We used to to call our parents couch potatoes, you know. We're mobile couch potatoes. Our screens follow us wherever we go. Let me read you some of these answers to the question of what kids wish parents knew so you can see what I mean. My dad talks on the phone too much. I need more time with my dad. I wish my dad had less time on the computer and more time with me. I wish my dad had less time playing games on his phone and computer. Guilty. I wish my mom spent less time with her boyfriend and more time with me. I wish she'd stop talking on the phone. Less time on the computer. I need more attention. I want my mom to do more things with me. Now this was heartbreaking for me to read because I do this. I want to keep up with what's going on on social media, or I'm debating somebody on a thread on Facebook for some reason, or I'm texting a friend, or I'm reading an article when I get home from work, and my kids are just waiting. They're just waiting for me to show their face, me, my, them my face, to show them my face. And the fl- this is the flip side of space, right? This is the flip side of space. Because kids want to feel independence. They want you to let them do things themselves. But they also want you. And maybe this is much more important for younger kids because when you get into your teenage years, you're probably often telling your parents to step off, right? Step off. But there are even times for teenagers when they need their parents to be present, like watching their sporting events and engaged in supporting their after-school activities. Ephesians 6 says, honor your father and mother, right? Honor your father and mother. And the onus in that verse is on the children to do that. 
But how can they if your face stuck in your iPhone or Android device? Don't want to leave those guys out. Are you giving your kids opportunities to obey God and honor you if you think that precious time with them is better spent being distracted? Maybe instead of FaceTiming with a friend, we can stand face-to-face with our kids when we get home from work. Maybe instead of reading the news feed on Facebook, we can read an actual book to our daughters. Maybe instead of being so focused on what's going on in the outside world, we could be more focused on what's happening in our living rooms and in our backyards and under rocks and in trees if you're at my house. We're missing valuable opportunities to do what the scriptures tell us to do. <coughs> the Old Testament gives us the example of the Israelites and the greatest commandment. Let me get some water. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. <coughs> Starting in verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Listen, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. The greatest commandment, love God. And and Jesus says the greatest commandment is love God and love your neighbor. We should be repeating this to our kids, repeating it day in and day out, when we're on the road, when we're getting up in the morning, when we're in our house. That's what the scripture said. Also, there's this pearl of wisdom from Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Proverbs 1, verse 8. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. A father's instructions and a mother's teaching, they're like crowns for their heads and pendants for their necks. We have this responsibility to speak wisdom and knowledge into our kids' lives so they can grow up with hope and kindness for others and so they have the tools to make it in the world and we need to show them our faces, right? We need to show them our faces so that we can fulfill this responsibility. But when I talk about face, we should probably acknowledge the fact that this looks very different depending on what role you play in the household. If you're a stay-at-home parent, You may already spend a lot of face time with your kids. And your kids need to understand that mom needs to check her email sometimes. Okay? Your kids need to understand that dad needs to communicate with other adults on the phone sometimes. You know, kids can't have this feeling that they can monopolize all your time. But for people like myself and my wife and people who pay for childcare, this face time seems much more important. We get these precious moments in the morning before school, after school, before they go to bed to pour into our kids. So I'm making a special effort to avoid any devices as long as I am able to, because I'm particularly bad at this. So I've just kind of resolved that since I have a problem with distraction and not giving my kids the face time that they require, then I'm going to be more intentional about it and have this attitude that when I'm home from work and I'm not busy with other things, that school is in session. Okay? School is in session. And I know that they're done with school when I get home from my day job. But as a parent, you're always on the job, right? You never clock out. So I just got this thing that school's in session. We've talked in sermons past 
about being a disciple to Christ and discipling others because it's what Jesus told us to do, right? He told us to make disciples and baptize them. And we've also always said that the very best place to start is in your homes. If you have kids, you have kind of a built-in audience. So I've just decided that it's going to be like school when I'm home with my sons. And in my mind, from what I can remember, there were three important parts, important parts of school. Okay? There's class, lunch, and recess. Okay? Class, lunch, and recess. So here's the class part for me. The class part is about teaching and spiritual guidance. Okay? Teaching and spiritual guidance. Meaning I'm just going to be intentional about sharing biblical truths often with my boys, working them in the conversations, on walks, in the backyard, or just on the couch. I'm going to ask them about their day. Okay? I'm going to tell them about mine. I basically want to dedicate some time to focus discipleship so I can connect with them and they can connect to God. Amen? And then there's the lunch part. If you know me, I'm a cameraman on a food show. If you follow me on Instagram, you know lunch is very important to me. This is exactly what it sounds like. Lunch, eating together, face-to-face, passing the food around, serving one another, nourishing our bodies together. Instead of parking in front of the TV with a tray, guilty, I want to sit down and share a meal together and create a communal environment in our home. Amen? And finally, recess. Kids, who loves recess? It was my favorite part when I was a kid. This is the thing that they love to do the most, is play with you, right? They want to play and have fun. That's what recess is. It's also the last thing I want to do when I've had a 25-pound camera on my shoulder all day. Cam and Ian both like to do these things called tricks. If you've seen me at church, you've probably seen me do tricks with them. It's basically throwing them around, swinging them all over the place. Nikki hates this, by the way. They also love what they call their stories. And they hate for their stories to be interrupted. But they're basically planned out epics that they create in their own toy universes. It's like Andy's room from Toy Story, okay? There's Cam's world, right? And then there's Ian's world. And they're both separate. They have their own characters and plot lines. And it can be exhausting (laughs) playing these characters with the same enthusiasm they have but it's something that they love to do. And I think they remember this stuff the most. And in the spirit of discipleship and servant leadership, right? Servant leadership, this is what sacrificial love looks like. Putting yourself out, right? Getting under people, like our senior pastor Gino says. Getting low. I mean really low. If you're playing with a toddler, getting on the carpet. Playing characters and acting silly for a short period in the same spirit as Jesus when he washed his disciples' feet. And for teenagers and older kids, this means being interested in what they're interested in, right? It means knowing what kind of music they like or what clubs they're a part of or what books they like to read. Engaging with them on their turf and on their terms. We can't give our kids 24-hour access to us, right? Only God can do that. But if anyone should have priority in our lives, it should be our disciples at home, right? We should at least be interruptible for them. We're serving our children. We're showing them what it looks like to humble yourself. And maybe in the process of playing, you can share a spiritual anecdote or two because school's in session, right? School's in session. So our kids, they want to space 
to be themselves. And then also, they want our faces, right? They want our focused attention on them when the time's appropriate. And the last thing I see emerging from these answers that we got from our kids about what they wish parents knew is a sobering one. It's also the, more, the most important one in my mind. And that is grace. Grace. Our kids say they need more grace from us, something our Heavenly Father gives away plenty. Here are some of the things that they said. Speaking of, of uh, what, what they wish parents knew. That he, Dad, would be nicer to me. To stop screaming, oh man, when I'm losing or not doing well. To stop being mean. And two people, two, two of your kids said to stop yelling every time he's mad. Stop yelling. I mean, the general sentiment seems to be that we could go a little easier on our kids when they make mistakes or are willfully disobedient. And the problem that we have is anger, right? We have an anger problem. The problem is we get angry. We let our emotions get the best of us. And instead of treating their infractions with mercy, we boil over and we give a hostile response, right? We give a hostile response. And sometimes this is accidental. Last month, we were putting Ian to bed, our four-year-old, and Nikki asked him to go to the bathroom before he went to sleep several times, to which he responded, I don't have to go. And so then I went to him and said, dude, please try to go to the bathroom so that we can all go to sleep. To which he replied, no, I don't have to go. So I got down on his level. And I went into my deeper voice. And I got loud. And I said, dude, you have to try to go to the bathroom, even if you don't feel like it. Mommy wants you to do it, and so you're going to do it right now, or else you're in big trouble. And this caught him off guard and scared him. I really scared him. I saw the fear in his eyes. And he just started to bawl. And he started to bawl. I'm sorry. He murmured through tears and snot. <laughs> and in that moment, this just broke my heart. Because I didn't intend to scare him like that. I just wanted him to go to the bathroom. I apologized to him right away, and I gave him a hug immediately. And I said, I'm sorry I scared you, okay? But you have to start listening to mom and dad when we ask you to do something because we know it's best for you, okay? Will you forgive me for yelling so loudly in your little ears? Which he did. And he did go to the bathroom. He did go to the bathroom. And if you're honest with me, you're probably thinking, Jordan, that was very tame, okay? It's very tame, man. You shouldn't have to apologize for yelling too loudly at your kids, okay? You didn't do anything wrong. But just for me personally, I felt guilty because I let anger and frustration get the best of me, and I lost my cool. I didn't want to model for my kids that screaming loudly and angrily is how to get what you want in life because I just know that Cam and Ian, they're always listening. Their brains are like little sponges absorbing nearly everything we do and say. So in general, I think instead of flying off the handle, we need to be focused on words of encouragement, extending grace and mercy when appropriate. I'm sure you guys have seen the Snickers commercial. 
when the protagonist with an empty stomach becomes a famous celebrity with a nasty attitude, and the voiceover says, you're not you when you're hungry. Grab a Snickers. Well, that's true when we let our kids' behavior affect our emotions to the point that we get angry. You're not you when you're angry. Paul says in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. So righteous anger is certainly okay. But we should never allow anger to control you. And discipline should never be fueled by anger or rage. Because you're not you when you're angry, right? You're not you when you're angry. You say things you don't mean when you're mad. Just ask your husband or wife. You say things like this to your kids. You never listen to me. You're always hitting your sister. You leave your toys on the floor all the time. You start to speak in absolutes. Our faces get red. We start to huff and puff. Grace and mercy are the last things on our mind when we get upset. And that's a scary thing to be on the end, other end of when you're a toddler. Or really any kid. If you grew up in a house where you faced criminal levels of physical abuse and verbal abuse, you felt the effects of this firsthand. Okay? You're not you when you're angry. You're not you when you're angry. Recently, I read a story that the Los Angeles City Police Department and others are taking a page out of the bar bouncer's playbook for dealing with unruly characters. If, if you've been paying attention to the media right now, the police aren't getting very good press. They're facing scrutiny for letting situations escalate. And they're starting to see that they're letting their emotions get the best of them. And they're making bad choices, really bad choices when confronted. And so one of the common themes from the from the bouncer's playbook, from the, as coolers as they're called in the business, right, is to be nice, right? Be nice. It's your job. It's nothing personal. God has created this hierarchy in the family, as I've said before, and it's our job, right? It's our station. It's our role to discipline our young children and teenagers and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And I think in many ways this would help us when encountering a tired, giddy, misbehaving child or an unruly teenager because sometimes they act like unruly bar customers who've had who are out of their mind because they've had too much to drink or in a kid's case too much sugar <laughs> or maybe they haven't had their nap yet or maybe they don't know what they're doing or maybe they're just trying to test your reactions because they're just little scientists constantly observing us or maybe they're being willfully disobedient or maybe they have some kind of chemical imbalance will you respond with grace mercy and love, or will you do something they resent you for? Will they remember forgiving parents, or will they remember the Hulk and She-Hulk? Verse 3 in Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says, Verse 21, fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Are we creating angry, resentful kids by letting our emotions get the best of us? Our kids, at the South Suburban Vineyard Church at least, think they'd be better served if discipline was delivered in love and mercy and grace 
and that we would be nice. Be nice. It's a job. It's nothing personal. So what is the big picture? What's the big picture here? Where are we at when it comes to this stuff as children and parents? Now that we've seen what we kids wish parents knew, ask yourself some of these questions. For kids and teenagers in the room, are you honoring your parents and guardians? Are you listening to their counsel and taking instruction? Or are you forsaking their advice and doing things your own way? For parents, are you giving your kids the space to be individuals within set boundaries? Are you giving your children some choices they can make so they feel important in the home? Are you giving them opportunities to serve others in the family with chores and responsibilities? Are you allowing them to speak their minds honestly without judgment? Are you giving them the space to just be kids before they grow up and leave your home forever? Are you spending enough face time with your sons and daughters? Are you distracted by technology, social media, recreational activities, or other people? Are you missing opportunities to pour into their lives because your head's in a cloud or in the cloud? Are you providing them with opportunities to honor you with their obedience by being present enough in the home and in their lives? And finally, are you showing them grace when they mess up? Are you keeping a cool head when you discipline your sons and daughters? Are you extending mercy and love when your kids act emotionally immature? Are you angry and abusive? And do you need to ask your spouse and your kids and God for forgiveness today? The worship team can come up. You know, as I said in the beginning, Jesus loves our children, and in many ways, he wants us to be just like them. So why not close with some wisdom from the man himself in Matthew's gospel? In chapter 18, the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus responded like this, starting in verse 2. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who welcomes, who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. You know, ultimately, these kids belong to God. In Proverbs 127, three, verse 3, Solomon says that children are gifts and rewards from him. Gifts that he's given to us to steward for at least 18 years. So the question we ask ourselves this morning is, now that we have this good understanding of what kids wish parents knew, are we doing a good job of taking care of God's gifts and rewards? It's a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. But it's also such a blessing it's such a blessing. And we have this great community of pastors here and small group leaders and ministry coordinators and volunteers that are here at South Suburban Vineyard Church to partner with the Holy Spirit and to partner with you parents to help raise them the right way. And I'll say for our singles in here, there's a great way to serve kids here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Join the children's ministry you will get this awesome t-shirt that says, I love kids church on the back. And not only will you be doing a good thing, but you'll look good in the process. <laughs> Let me pray. 
Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to speak on your behalf, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that we just learned so much today about what you think about parents and children. And I pray that you fill us with your strength, Father. Fill us with your power, Lord. And help us to be humble enough to understand that if we've made mistakes in the past, that we should ask for forgiveness, Lord. We ask for forgiveness right now. Help us to be better parents, Lord. Help us as a community to raise these kids up in the right way because they belong to you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.